I'm coming, my baby. Forget a crocodile burger, my baby. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Industry Babies. Uh, we are going to do things a little differently today. There were some scheduling conflicts this week, so this episode will be just me, Libby. Um, so it's kind of an experiment. I don't know how I feel about solo podcasts in general or about um, talking for 45 minutes, but let's get into it. So we just couldn't find a time that would work this week because I had to work six days in a row. Um, which doesn't happen every week, but does happen probably like once a month um, on the TV show that I film, which is really tough because only having one day off is brutal. Um, And call times were super early this week, so I was like getting up at 5 a.m. to be on set by 6, 6 6.15. I should probably actually get up even at like 4.30, but um, I don't really do that much in the morning. So, but I made it, and now this coming week's a five-day week, which is awesome, and we'll be back to podcasting as usual. We have a very exciting guest next week, Um, one of the first people who's not at least my close personal friend, Um, and they have a very interesting job and place in the entertainment industry and maybe even some tea to spill. We'll see. So get excited for that. Um, I figured since it's just me, I should talk about maybe stuff that me and Nick wouldn't usually talk about or stuff that Nick doesn't know about, Um, (laughs) which isn't much. He's a very knowledgeable person. So I think In a bit, I'm going to get into some fashion since we're coming off of the first three fashion weeks. It was New York, then London, then Milan just is wrapping up, and we're heading into Paris Fashion Week, which is obviously um, probably one of the two that I care about the most, at least in terms of shows um, after New York, but they all have something. Um... Before we get into that, I just want to say the stuff that's going on in Ukraine is horrible, obviously. Um, I am on a country that borders Ukraine, which we found out two podcast episodes ago. And luckily, Hungary is accepting all Ukrainian refugees. A lot of people are crossing into the country by foot right now. And um, Budapest is preparing to have a lot of refugees come in, which is great and Hungary finally said that Russia shouldn't be in SWIFT anymore um so those are good things uh you can hear NATO planes surveilling I guess overhead which is kind of a weird sound um as they come over from the west but other than that it's life as usual Um, some people ask me about it, obviously, because of proximity. My mom's freaking out. She wants me to, like, come home, maybe. I don't know. But right now, like, the studio, and we work on the same lot as, like, a Netflix show. Uh, both of the studios say that since we're in NATO, everything's gonna be good for now. We're staying here. It's fine. Um... 
but obviously they are in my thoughts and it's a very fucking scary world we live in and Putin is Putin's Putining for sure. Uh, yeah. And one thing is that everybody should check their sources on social media because it is so crazy how much misinformation there is out there when Russia is involved in something. The stuff that you see on Twitter is literally crazy. Um, so everybody should be reading real sources and talking to their friends through somewhat of an educated lens, if possible. Anyways. The only piece of news that I read this week, other than something about Ukraine or fashion, was about Francis Ford Coppola's uh, mission to get Megalopolis off of the ground, which is a script that I think he's been working on since like the 80s, uh, set in New York, but now it's called New Rome, and it's supposed to be like a big epic. Um, it's going to cost him 160, 140 or 160 million dollars that he is going to finance himself. Um, I think he sold off a share of the winery, the vineyard, um, to get the line of credit for this movie, which is pretty cool. I guess the studios won't take a chance. He's done this in the past. He actually bankrupted himself doing this in the past after he made the movie One from the Heart. Uh, he completely owns his movie Ap Apocalypse Now because he financed it himself, um, which is something that like Quentin Tarantino does for all of his movies, but not a lot of film directors own their own movies. Um, when I was at the agency, one of my boss's clients was like trying to figure out how it's possible to figure out that capital and and so that you own your own movie because it's a huge advantage when you do so, obviously, and have that intellectual property to be all yourself. And also you get way more oversight on making a project when you don't have a studio looking over you and breathing down your neck. Um, somebody would obviously distribute it, but during production, you know, you would have a lot more freedom. So I think that's pretty interesting. I mean, why not fucking do that if you're Francis Ford Coppola and now you have a wine empire that actually makes you money? Um, and I've always admired him for, you know, delving into other genres. So anything named Megalopolis, I'm definitely going to be turning in or tuning into rather. So kind of excited for that one. Uh, what a dynasty the Coppolas are. Coppolas? Nicolas Cage famously won, even though he's changed his name to be Cage so he wouldn't be associated with them, which is sort of stupid but also worked so I'm not gonna fault him for that but I find it interesting um Gia Coppola famously directs a lot of Carly Rae Jepsen music videos and also Sabrina Carpenter videos so we know what side of the Olivia Rodrigo feud she is on other than that I don't know what's happening in movies or TV. I actually started watching The Bold Type this week, 
because it is available on Hungarian Netflix. And this is a very low moment for me. Um, the show is what some might call chuggy at best, which is a word I don't like to use, but is quite apt in this instance. Anything that has text messages pop up on screen and also takes place at a magazine named Scarlet is going to sort of lend itself to that. Um, sometimes I can like look past those elements. Like Emily in Paris is kind of like that, but this is not escapism at all. In fact, it's it's depressing and the clothing's bad and it's not really sexy and there's no conflict and every episode does the horrible thing where um, it ends on a really, really good note and they play a Mumford and Sons song. So if you have any TV show recommendations, hit my line. I really like shows about mostly women who wear beautiful clothing, um, but I don't like things that are really sad. So if you have any ideas beyond the obvious ones, because I've seen them, tell me. And without further ado, let's get into fashion. I will say I am not an expert, nor is my knowledge comprehensive. I don't scroll Vogue runway all day. Um, I'm a very busy lady. But I do keep up on Instagram, and now TikTok has a lot of fashion content, and I find it interesting, and I think we're in a really good era of, you know, style and innovation where many things are all true at once. We're seeing this rise of maximalism but minimalism hasn't gone away and Y2K is here, but some things are still really pushing towards the future. And even Y2K is sort of going out of fashion and we're getting indie sleaze back. Um, so there's a lot of places to look. You like can't really rest on one aesthetic, uh, which is good and bad because, you know, if, if there's too much in this and we cycle through too fast, we go Y2K to indie sleaze. Like what's next? I don't even know. Um, then it, contributes to fashion waste which is like the worst thing in the entire world and there's way too much of it but for the time being it's very interesting and very cool and the landscape is you know it's not saturated but it's quite full uh to get us started the mini skirt that launched a thousand ships was the bottom half of the Mew Mew set that Nicole Kidman wore on her Friday cover or Vanity Fair cover rather. Um, and then Paloma Alcesser, who is one of my favorite models, wore on her ID cover. And since then, even uh, Sheen has, or Fashion Nova, one of the two, has already put it into reproduction which they're always doing but I personally love it it looks like something that you would get at party city and then um you would wear it to a halloween party and your dress would get caught in like a revolving door and the bottom half of it would rip off and that is actually a good aesthetic and I think it is the lasting repercussions of slutty halloween costume culture um, and I really like it. I think Mew Mew is super good at having these viral moments. Like, I don't know how 
the PR of these companies work because this is not my industry, but whoever is working with the media outlets to send them these clothes in advance and, you know, sort of convince them, wink, wink, nudge, nudge at them that this should be the cover look is really smart and really good at their job and deserves a raise. Um, after that, I have Laquan Smith, which had a very viral moment as well when Julia Fox walked in their show right after she broke up with Kanye. But I feel like what was failed to mention in a lot of those headlines is that Laquan Smith is like a very cool new designer that has had his own moments recently and that the show was in part a tribute to Andre Leon Talley. Um, it's not necessarily like my aesthetic. It's definitely more understated, somewhat elegant, somewhat provocative, streetwear-inspired, you know, evening looks, um, usually in like dark colors, not patterned, um, but very consistent and very good and cute and the shows always look amazing and he always uses diverse models which we're seeing a lot more of obviously but still not as much as you would think especially from the big fashion houses um which I don't even really pay that much attention to other than like the ones that I really like but it's just not as fun to give a fuck about a Prada show um, anymore, especially when, due to social media, like, some of these designers just have such a better chance and opportunity to, like, make a name for themselves. And you have such easy access to see every single look of the collection. There's just other places to find cool stuff and those big places are never going to be as ahead of the curve. I don't think it's the other ones. Like you see it on Diet Prada all the time. They rip people off all the time because they're somewhat out of touch. But also at New York Fashion Week um, was the Colleen Estrada show, which wasn't actually a show. She, um, the founder, Hillary Tamor, um, made a video a movie rather starring Tommy Dorfman who I love um I think obviously I didn't see it I read about it briefly um was sort of a devil wears Prada or was it the hills it was some fashion assistant are we gonna go to Paris situation reality oh it was the hills then because it was reality show vibes um and I think Tommy's like you know, somebody's assistant, I don't know, whatever. Apparently it was really funny. Um, but I just looked at the looks in general. Colleen Estrada's aesthetic is very fun, futuristic. Um, I actually saw Hillary did a interview. I forget which magazine it was. But she basically said, it's supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be boring. The reason that the looks aren't always completely cohesive is because it's about fun. And that really resonates with me. That is basically my MO and how I go about filmmaking because, you know, media can 
do a lot of things and mean a lot of things to different people and storytelling the same way. But it's okay for your mission statement to be like, this is supposed to be fun. Everything is just supposed to bring joy. In fact, this like whole trend of maximalism is now being called dopamine dressing or dopamine fashion, just meaning like that instant satisfaction you get from looking at an outfit that's like so saccharine and so crazy and just like dripped in sugar and lushness and pattern and color and texture or all of the above. Um, But yeah, Kalina Strad is really good at doing that. She uses color and pattern and every show is always different and always invites the most interesting people. Um, It got a really good write-up in Vogue a few months ago. Uh, So yeah, I looked at all those looks. My favorite one is look 18. Um, The model is Giselle Zanotti, who I love on Instagram. Their Instagram is at Ugly Worldwide. They're like the most good looking person ever. Um, so I would check. I mean, obviously you can't see the clothing, so that's kind of hard to do a podcast about this because you need somewhat of a visual aid unless you're just here to listen to my voice, which is also okay. But if you want to go and look up stuff that I mention, then go for it. That's why I'm gonna maybe say some of the look numbers. Me personally, I only listen to podcasts in the car. Well, that's not true. Sometimes I listen to them while I'm making my bucatini for dinner, but most of the time I'm listening to them on my commute, and I would never ever Google something that a podcast says. But maybe I'll post them on the Instagram, which you should follow, at Industry Babies Pod. Um, we post really good stuff on there. I wonder if anybody is listening to this who doesn't follow that because that's where the link gets posted but and you should also follow us on spotify click the follow button because i'm very interested in the numbers on who listens to this and how many people listen to it in fact our demographics for the first few shows were like 80 percent women which made sense and last time i checked I think we were at like 65 or 70%, maybe even higher of male listenership, which is really weird. And I wonder if it's Drutman's fault. I mean, obviously a lot of that male audience is probably queer, but um, I have a lot of girlfriends. So you guys should really hit that button. Okay, let's, let's move on from that. Uh, Diesel had an epic comeback, according to some. Me, personally, I don't super care about Diesel. This is another Julia Fox uh, thing. It's part of the Julia Fox extended universe. She's sort of like the face of it, I think. But it was cool to see a show like this from a well-established brand that had a lot of... It has a lot of identity already do a sort of gender neutral fashion show which a lot of people are getting back or not back but getting into um and away from men's or women's which just makes sense in not only in this like political climate but in this fashion climate like women are always gonna wear something from the men's collection um because 
they make great tailored basics or, you know, whatever, like a, a Tom Brown or a Prada or some big house like that, that really puts a lot of thought into a men's collection. And now if you're like a true fashion head, like a, even a straight boy, like they love those Vivian, Vivian Westwood necklaces. They're looking to add sense of femininity to their wardrobe. And so I think really interesting things can be done when you just automatically combine the two. And, you know, there's no limit on how many looks you can send down a runway. So it's not like you blow your whole fucking load on one show and you can only do so much. Like, you can do as much as you want. And I think it used to even be that there was a gender-neutral sort of aesthetic where it's like, okay, you do men's or women's or you do gender-neutral. That's a combination of both. But now we've even shied away from that and... You can have a runway show that's got, you know, clothes that stereotypically would be for a man and clothes that would stereotypically be for a woman. And then some that are sort of a mix of both and some that are 70-30, whatever. I mean, these things don't exist in a binary at all, but obviously historically they somewhat have. So that's why I'm speaking in these terms. But I think it's a real strength when a brand does a show like this. And I thought... You know, I don't, I just, Diesel's not interesting to me. It, it all sort of looks like stuff that you would see in a high school hallway completely reworked. Like those horrible jeans that are kind of the, the meme that's like, if you see a guy in these jeans run, you know what I'm talking about? They like are kind of motorcycle looking-ish, whatever. So that's that. Um... And then two of my favorite shows uh, were the Chipova Loena show and the Simone Rocha show, which I feel like are two very hot designers in general. This is like not a new thought from anybody. Um, the Chipova Loena show got a good write up in Vogue. The first line of it is like Chipova Loena could easily rest on its laurels, but they don't which is so true. If you're not familiar with the brand, they're who are behind, I feel like their most known look is the carabiner skirts. So it's like a big leather strap belt um, with a bunch of carabiners attached to it and basically upcycled like Scottish tartans. Like they look like kilts, pleated kilts. Um, they're very punk. A lot of them are super colorful and most famously they were on Harry Styles on his Vogue cover. Or not cover, but spread, I guess. Um, and they are my favorite. I love them. They do so many things beyond those tartan skirts. Uh, they have like a super interesting way. It's two designers. I think their last names are Chipovo and Loena. Um, and they do like really interesting things with metals. Like all of their clothing has almost jewelry worked into it their zippers are cool or like their buttons are not buttons but like hardware their hardware is really cool um they've sort of especially in this collection have leaned into clown wear uh which is definitely a trend sort of like in the bloomers era and the big puffy sleeves era even makeup like a lot of brands i think are are doing clown core which is super fucking funny um which famously I hate like circus movies, but clown 
fashion I am accepting of, which could be hypocritical, but that's okay. Um, my favorite brand actually is Puppets and Puppets, which is such a funny name, and they do a lot of clown shit. I think I looked at their collection briefly and I didn't think it was that great, but I'm not going to say anything about it because I didn't delve deep, but um, check their Instagram out. Great, great stuff. Um, yeah, but out of the Chipotle show, I really like looks three and 14. Three is pants and a top and 14 is this blue plaid, really cool dress. I think they do an amazing job of mixing like feminine silhouettes with maybe harder materials or, you know, it's, it's a cool tactile experience for sure to put on a Chipotle garment. Um, and then I think Simone Rocha also does that super effectively where it's a mix of hard and soft silhouettes and texture or texture and silhouettes. Um, I feel like the photos that came out of the Simone Rocha show um, that got a lot of traction on social media were the best ones. You know, sometimes you don't always agree with the headline making photo, but they were like one, look number one is this beautiful black dress. It's just like so well tailored and made. It's it's beautiful. Um, and then look number 20 is this like blue velvet sort of weird top that has mesh on it. You just have to kind of go look at it. Um, everything they make, same with Chipotle like is evoking Scottish Highlander to me or Scottish royalty. Like it's fantastical, but a lot of the Simone Rocha looks are also kind of practical. They definitely have a, a quality of regality in some of them, big buttons, bow sort of motifs. Um, but it's just, it's a very cool aesthetic to have. And I think that Simone Rocha is definitely one of the best designers out there right now. And they also do really cool footwear, um, which I'm not super into just because I wear the same shoes fucking every day. And I don't know, I think fashion to me is more about like on my body rather than on my feet. Um, and the shoes are just to like elevate something, but they do really cool footwear. And then Paloma Alcessor is in look number 30, which is kind of similar to look number one using a lot of the same fabrics and ideas, but she looks amazing. Um, I love her and she's beautiful. And she actually does a really good Vogue video from a few years ago where she cleans out her closet. And in the video, they make it seem like it's gonna be a series and they never brought it back. And I wanna see other people clean out their closet. She like talks about all this vintage um, JPG like archival mesh dresses she has. Um, good video. Um, and then another designer that kind of falls into that category is Batshava, which I thought this collection wasn't a very big one was a bit hit or miss, um, but look number uh, 20 was super cool and funny. She's like wearing an Ikea bag as a bonnet, like a babushka almost. 
Um, and a lot of the Batshava like dresses are very 60s inspired, sort of more buttoned up, demure, but like everything has this sort of wink, wink irony being like, this could be slutty. Um, it's very Sharon Tate. I like it. It kind of falls in line with my style a bit, but I thought that this was a bit of a hit or miss show, but I think it's still one to watch and a relatively new brand. And I think what a lot of these designers are sort of doing with this fashion week since it's autumn winter, um, it's showing us that we're coming out of the cottage core-ness that we've seen for the last year or two with the huge collars and the prairie dress silhouettes. Like you can see the effects that that has on a lot of these designers who got their start out that way. But now we're moving into something a little bit different. And so I really like the direction that a lot of people are going in a post-prairie dress world, which I actually like. But I mean, it's, you know, you, you can love it or you hate it. Um, I just looked at the Moschino show sort of against my will. Moschino is always going to be the same for me where I'm like, Jeremy Scott Moschino at least, where I'm like, I mean, it's going to be gimmicky. I think this time particularly looked kind of cheap um, and they went full Beauty and the Beast and a lot of the looks are clock based, which I love clock stuff on TikTok. You should follow the person Clock Lover. They uh, have a ton of clocks in their house and they only dress in clock motif garb and they're literally the best TikTok account ever. But this is very clearly clocks in a Beauty and the Beast sense and and like chandelier candelabra things, which are also just Moschino. Like that's what Katy Perry wore to the camp Met Gala. But when you combine the two, it's giving, it's giving the beast. And I think Beauty and the Beast is second to Alice in Wonderland in how bad of an aesthetic it is um, and how we should all stop fucking talking about it. It's juvenile and it's disgusting. Um, Another thing that I just saw that I didn't seek out was the Bottega Veneta leather jeans um, that a lot of people are talking about. They look like jeans, but they're leather, and that's shocking to some. Um, I don't really care, and I haven't seen them in motion, so I guess those are my opinions on that. <laughs> and then uh, I just saw, or yesterday, two days ago, whenever it happened, I saw the pictures of Bella and Gigi walking for Versace, which were underwhelming. You know, the Versace show, I'm I'm super over having models bleach their eyebrows for something. Um, I think it can be effectively done with concealer and it's also just sort of an old gimmick that comes, you know, it comes in and out just like anything else. But I didn't think this show needed it. And I think that no, 2022 doesn't seem like the year of the bleached eyebrow to me in terms of high fashion. And those poor girls, those eyebrows are definitely falling out. But I do like that skinny eyebrows are kind of coming back. I think a lot of people look really good with skinny eyebrows. Not me. Y'all be safe, but um, skinny eyebrows are definitely cool. And, you know, they're just like low-rise jeans. You, you take it or you leave it depending on your personal style. But, yeah, I didn't think that the Versace show was very interesting. The corsets just, like, look like 
late 80s, early 90s JPG. And it's just, especially when they're done in a sort of velvet and red thing, it really looks like the costumes from my favorite or one of my favorite movies, certainly one of my all-time favorites in terms of costuming, The Cook, The Thief, The Wife, and Her Lover, which uh, John paul Gaultier did. Um, and yeah, I just didn't think it was interesting. Emrata was there and had a horrible walk, but she's gorgeous nonetheless. And also Alex Kinsani, um, very young model, funny on, funny on TikTok. Sorry for talking about TikTok so much. Um, she walked in it, had to bleach her eyebrows for it, but she looked really good. Um, yeah, coming up in this coming week, I guess we have Paris, which means Louis Vuitton and Dior and, you know, that kind of stuff, which I guess I'll see. But just like I said, I don't, the big brands, the LVMH brands are not always the most interesting. Um, yeah, but with all the scrolling that I do, I end up inevitably seeing these things. I, I searched a little bit around so that I could be more informed for you guys, the listeners on specific looks and, but usually it's just a little bit of a hobby for me. It's not like I shop high fashion necessarily. Sometimes I treat myself, but, um, yeah, let me know if you guys have any thoughts. I don't know if this is going to resonate with anyone. Um, but open to constructive criticism, especially on the solo episodes. My friend Jack, who did our perfume episode, said he likes solo episodes the best. Um, and I don't know if I agree with that. I listened to the Emma Chamberlain one, which I think works because she takes like listener letters, advice letters. Um, so that's solo, but you kind of have an aid. You're, you're talking to someone if you're reading out someone's letter. Um, but I kind of like it. I mean, it's hard. But I would like to do like reality recaps maybe because Nick doesn't watch Housewives and we're going into the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City reunions, which are going to be definitely something to talk about. Um, I didn't talk about the finale last week, which was in part because Nick doesn't listen, also in part because it was so fucking boring. Um, Jenny throwing the grass glass was inappropriate, but the outrage on Twitter that that got was also um, unwarranted. Like people throw things at people on Housewives. We need to, we need to uh, know that people should have come to Mary's defense. But whatever, that finale super underwhelming. I would love to talk about the reunions in the future, though, especially because Mary Cosby doesn't show up. I think they're going to be super fraught and interesting. And I'm glad it's not four parts. It's only three. Four-part reunions are just ridiculous. And then Summer House is heating up. Not as quick of a incline as I thought it would. Kyle and Amanda are still very depressing to me. And it's hard to watch. But things are getting sexy. Um, so, you know, reality show recaps. If there's any interest in that, I would love to sit down for 30 minutes and talk to you guys. Uh, but... I don't know. So yeah, follow us on all the stuff. We're planning on making TikToks. Well, I've mandated to Nick that he should make TikToks because I don't have time and he's also sort of the TikTok wizard, some might say. It's crazy how 
little I've actually talked for. It's only been 36 minutes. Wow, not having a partner here really makes it so that you have to fill the air yourself. Has anyone been to Budapest? Um, DM me if you've been to Budapest and you liked it and you had a really great time and you have things to do because I'm running out of things. And it is exhausting to like Google the shit out of something all for you to go to a restaurant and it is, you can't even eat it. Um, so let me know. I went to work yesterday at 6.30 a.m. Well, 6, 6 to 6.30 sort of. And people were coming back from the clubs. Like there were troves of what looked like 17 year old boys like screaming and chanting um, in sort of the party district and they were all getting falafel, which then inspired me to get falafel, but that's neither here nor there. So there is a lot of fun and vibrance in this city, but, um, I don't know. I don't have that much time to experience it, but, um, I have some friends coming into town soon. So we're going to fucking party, um, like central fucking Europeans. Um, I hope that everything continues to sort of be okay around here. But yeah, as usual, thank you for listening. This has been fun for me, albeit a little stressful. Uh, follow us on Spotify, like I said, uh, and interact with me on Instagram. I love having two Instagram accounts to post to. It is so fun. And don't think that it's just me, even though it seems like it is. Sometimes... Nick posts on there too, because he is my fabulous partner in crime. Um, yeah, I hope everybody has a really good week. And next week's guest is going to be super epic. And we're going to be real journalism students and ask some really hard-hitting questions. So get excited. XOXO! XO!